thank you for tuning into Holistic Finance, where we promote financial balance and financial health. Our mission is to simplify your finances so you can focus on your practice and enjoy life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. everybody, and welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, as always, my co-host, Alex Gokugs Collins. <laughs> Go dogs! If you heard our last podcast, he went to UW. Um, that was very fun for me. So this episode, what we thought we'd talk about is a conversation we, have to, we hear often from naturopaths is, Hey, Ryan, Alex, I'm actually kind of making some money now. What should I do with it? It's a great question. It's the right question to have. And really, it's, it goes back to the order of operations. So just like math, math has a very specific, very linear order of operations. Finance has an order of operations too. However, it is not quite as linear and as absolute as math. And what I mean by that is there's definitely an order of operations that we want to start with and it's not do X a hundred percent and then do Y and then move on to Z and then move on to a, etc. We're ultimately going to wind up doing multiple of these things at the same time. And it's important to make sure that we understand how the operations work and, and why we pick it to what extent. Yeah, so those order of operations that Alex uh, was speaking into there um, are, are the following. Uh, the first one is protect. And if you listen to our last episode... Um, it's about protecting your cash flow and, and your income. Obviously, you want to protect your assets, but protect the very thing that is, you know, as we said, the wheels on your car, building the assets and paying down the liabilities, and that's your cash flow. Without it, you can't do it. Correct. We also need to make sure we're protecting the, the business and the, the actual asset of the car itself. Exactly. Exactly. The second step is save. Third is grow the balance sheet, right? So looking at everything and how how to do that efficiently. And when you're doing that, and if you've done it in that order, you're able to enjoy your life and actually focus on your practice and not hopefully not have the stresses of the money and what that what that brings in. So I mean, let's just face it, as much as I would love to say money will never be a stress, hopefully it's not a stress where it's debilitating or um, it doesn't allow you to do your job the way you want to do it. And then the last step is transfer. Um, th- this is the, the sale of the practice, the transfer of the practice to the, the new owner or the transfer from really working years, if you will, to retirement or legacy, if you will. If we've got money left over for our children, we want to leave a legacy standpoint, how to transfer that over. Yeah, legacy isn't necessarily all about family. It could also be to 
you know, charities or the industry or, or things that we we're passionate about. Oftentimes it's family. So with that order of operations, one thing you'll hear us say is control the controllables. You know, the, the market's going to do what the market's going to do. You can control your health to some degree, but you can't control it completely. There are so many things out there that you really can't control. So if you can focus on what you can control from a financial perspective, you'll be at the best spot you possibly can be because that's where your control was. And what are those exact topics? So what do we mean? What can you control financially speaking? Yeah. So the first thing that's easiest to control is where your dollars go. And, you know, like Ryan said, first step is making sure we're protecting cash flow. We talked a bunch about that in our first podcast. Next, when we save, and we're talking about becoming a world-class saver, that means saving 15 to 20% of your income. And now talking about where on your balance sheet does that go? Does it go into assets? Does it go into paying down liabilities? Everyone's situation is going to be unique. And we're going to talk about building it from today to the future. So again, we referenced this in the first one, but the short term, the medium term and the long term bucket. And some of you may have been slightly shocked of the number of 15 to 20 percent gross income savings rate. And, you know, let's let's not be realistic or actually let's be realistic here. Sometimes you can't jump to 15 or 20 percent right out of school starting a practice or joining another practice. Right. It's all about having that become the goal that it, like I said, that's a world-class saver. If right now we're at say the average that the country is like three, 4%, it's all about getting incrementally better moving from four to five to six to eight to 10. And that's going to happen over time. Really what we coach clients to do is help give them some tools on how do we do that? What are the methods that we can use to get better at saving? Well, maybe step one is, do you actually know what your savings rate is, right? If, if you're making X amount of dollars, how much of that dollars are you actually saving? Meaning how much, how many of those dollars are actually staying on your balance sheet? And I, I don't know how many times when I go through this exercise with any of our clients, it's always quite shocking when they see like, holy crap, that's a lot of money that I'm just losing. And you don't even realize it till you really look at it from the aspect of, it, you know, it's not just, you know, your expenses, right? Like what it takes to live, it's taxes. It's insurance, obviously. It, there, there are so many different things that go into play. And when you look at the sum of the money, it's a very simple answer. Whatever you're not saving, you're losing. It's going off your balance sheet. So that is a piece that you can control. And don't allow lifestyle to creep too much. Like, you know, we want you to be able to spend your money. We want, as your income goes up, to enjoy that money. But as if your income goes up 10% and your spending goes up 10%, that's where there's some, uh, it's not balanced. Right. And that, you just hit the nail right on the head there with creating financial balance. It has to be 
a balance between enjoying today and saving for tomorrow so we can enjoy tomorrow too. Now, there's the, the parable of the, the ant and the grasshopper. We don't want our clients to be either. We don't want to be the grasshopper where we're enjoying everything today and not saving anything for the future for, for when fall and winter come. We also don't want to be the ant where we're working hard all through the summer and don't get to enjoy the, the wonderful sunny weather simply so that we have enough stored for the winter. It has to be a balance of the two, making sure that we're enjoying our todays and setting ourselves up so that we can enjoy tomorrow as well. So Alex, you know, we've been talking about saving and we've been talking about saving at a rate of 15 to 20%. If they're saving or wherever they're, you know, saving 3%, whatever they're saving, where should they be putting the money? You know, going back to the last episode, you know, putting your money where you put your money matters. So let's take a look at that. So let's, you know, the grow the balance sheet aspect. How do they grow it efficiently? Where should we be putting money? The easy answer is it depends on situation, Ryan. And, you know, a lot of folks wind up. That's for compliance, by the way. It depends on the situation. (laughs) Uh, It's also something I say entirely too much for your liking. However, we need to take a look at how much student debt do we have? At what rate do we pay that down? We've got a lot of folks that say, oh, my God, I have to pay that off immediately. And while we do want to go ahead and work on paying it off, it's more important to have a plan for how we're going to pay it off and make it so that that doesn't crowd out our ability to protect our income that allows us to pay it off to make sure that we're not crowding out savings and making it so that we don't have good savings habits so that we've got liquidity in the event that something else pops up. Yeah, I mean, the last thing you want to have happen is you check all your money at the debt and then something occurs good, you know, an opportunity lands in your lap, but we've got no cash to take advantage of it or the bad, which is probably what most people talk about in our industry is the bad things that could happen to you. But either way, if you don't have the cash, because you just paid off all your debt, what now? You're going either right back into debt or you lose the chance at the opportunity. Right, and both of those are equally bad, right? You know, if we paid off uh, student loan debt at even like six or 7%, only to have to go into credit card debt at 19, 20, 25%, oh my God, that's not a good thing. So making sure that we create this balance that allows us to have freedom and flexibility whether that's buying a first home, buying into a practice, taking the next leap in terms of where our practice is going, hiring that next employee, whether it's an associate or whether it's a medical billing staff or front desk person, that's really going to take us to the next level. So we want to have a balance. You know, Alex brought up buckets um, a while ago and having different buckets of money. And so, you know, many people we sit down with and frankly, many of Americans have really two buckets of money, right? They've got the short-term bucket and short-term meaning, you know, this is your your liquid check, checking savings account, your emergency funds, if you will. And then you've got the long-term bucket, which could be your business or could be retirement plans. Those tend to be the buckets that 
most people have, most people have it tilted towards more of the long-term bucket uh, rather than having the emergency fund. Now let's stop and think about this for a second. So we've got a short-term and a long-term bucket. You know, if if you're in your 30s right now or 40s, uh, retirement might be 20, 30 years away. What can happen between the short-term or what can happen between now and when you want to actually access that long-term bucket? Uh, we could spend a whole episode talking about that, right? Again, buying homes, having children, sending children to college, right? Opportunities, growing the business, buying a second business. There's so many different things that's going to happen and we don't know what that's going to be. So oftentimes we don't see people have a midterm bucket. Right. And it's important to make sure that we're talking about the characteristics of these buckets. Otherwise, it's going to wind up getting lost in the sauce and we're going to wind up you know, with making poor decisions, not because we're intentionally making them, but because they're made for us by social media and the talking heads that are out there. And so really we need to make sure that we understand what is good balance and how does that look? Now, when Ryan and I are talking about balance, we're talking about balance from a couple different standpoints. One, short-term, medium-term, long-term. Secondly, different styles of accounts, having money in savings types vehicles where it's very safe, it's very liquid, there's not much rate of return, it's not super tax favorable, but it's not designed to be. Right. I mean, what Alex was just describing there was the short-term bucket, right? This is money that's ultra accessible. We're not really expecting a crazy rate of return on our money sitting in savings, but that's there for everything we've been talking about. Here's the question that I think many listeners will be asking themselves. Okay, Ryan, Alex, I get that I should have a short-term bucket. How much should be in that bucket? Ideally, 12 months of either income or expenses. Right, and that's for the personal side. On the business side, is that the same number? Or, I mean, obviously, you're going to sit coming and say it depends, right? But from a business standpoint, oftentimes it's a little bit harder to have 12 months sitting there. Yeah, we don't need to necessarily have 12 months of revenue sitting there, but having a good idea as to what, what type of cash flow we have and and how regular and, and consistent it is, and really making sure that we're not overly dependent upon one aspect. Working with medical professionals, if all of a sudden insurance billing stops occurring properly and we don't get billing from one of the insurance companies, how long can we go from a cash flow standpoint where we're essentially financing our accounts receivable from an insurance company? Yeah, that's a solid point around how to maybe how to maybe analyze how much you'd be sitting in, in that short-term bucket from a, from a business standpoint. Um, the, the long-term bucket that we brought up, right? We said retirement, plan, retirement plans are the business. You know, same characteristics are in each bucket, but it's more of what what characteristic is more important in these buckets, right? So you have liquidity or access, if you will. You've got tax implications in each one. We have a rate of return in each one. And then we have like a safety uh, or risk profile in each one. From a long-term standpoint, if this is money that you don't plan on touching, oftentimes people are taking a little bit more risk, if you will, um, with that money because it's for 30, 40 years down the road. And as business owners, let's just face it, we're all taking a risk in ourselves to, to build our business. 
risk is a, a spectrum, right? And so while you may be aggressive or you may be conservative, the longer the time horizon, the more aggressive you're going to be in comparison to your other assets. And we're not saying be super aggressive or be super conservative. It's do what's appropriate for you, but that is going to be the most aggressive component for you as an individual. Right. And then the, the tax implications, right? Retirement plans, you know, choosing, you know, traditional versus Roth possibly. But in the end, that money is generally not necessarily accessible, at least very easily, uh, prior to 59 and a half. Yeah, there's all sorts of fun that compliance is going to have with that in terms of the disclosures that we need to put in there. But yeah, in traditional retirement structures, we're not going to have access to it except for, uh, before age 59, except for a, a litany of different uh, potential ways to access the money without fees and penalties. But really, that, that midterm bucket is that the third asset class that we need to take a look at and broadly we're going to find that as investments where there's a host of different things that fall into it but it's going to be a hybrid between safety and rate of return we're going to want some tax favorability and some tax friendliness to it but we're also going to demand some liquidity it, it needs to span anywhere from one year to maybe as much as 30 or, or beyond years and the goal there is to not be too dependent upon any one aspect, savings, investments, or retirement. And then inside of retirement, in an ideal world, we reach retirement with a balance between Roth and traditional. You mentioned those earlier. Roth is after-tax dollars that grow tax-deferred. Then when we pull them out in retirement, we get income tax-free. Traditional, we get the tax deduction today, it grows tax deferred, but now when we pull it out in retirement, we have to pay income tax on it. And so having a balance between those two is important. This protects us from changes in taxes, positively or negatively. It also protects us a bit from uh, changes in our income. Typically speaking, the earlier we on in our career, the less we're making and the longer time horizon we have, the more that something like Roth makes sense because we're typically in a lower tax bracket and we have a lot longer for that compounding effect to help us out. Conversely, typically when we're closer to retirement, we're at the peak of our earning potential and as a result, receiving the tax deduction usually makes more sense. So you brought up the... the the midterm bucket in in your conversation there. And so let, let's talk about the midterm bucket, right? You mentioned it's it's other investments, right? And the risk profile might be slightly different um, just because of, of time horizon. We don't know when we're gonna necessarily need this midterm bucket necessarily. So you can set up a, a brokerage account or, or an account that has investments like your retirement account has, stocks and bonds and ETFs and mutual funds, but the risk profile in that account might be slightly lower, but the important thing is, is this is a liquid account. This is an account that you can actually access without penalty. Correct. It also depends on what this account is designed for. 
we talked about it as being a one to 30 years and beyond. And we may wind up having multiple different accounts depending upon what we're trying to accomplish. You know, if we're saving for a home purchase five years down the road, we're going to have maybe a little bit more conservative than if we're saving for our kids' college 15 to 20 years down the road. Right. And, the, and then there's, you know, there's obviously different assets that we could, you know, there are different forms of permanent life insurance that you can use that, that could be an, an asset in that midterm bucket as well, which we'll probably get into in a, another episode. But from a business owner perspective, what, what type of an accounts do they typically go after for that midterm bucket? Yeah. It, I mean, the easy answer is it depends. A lot of them come at it from a, a real estate standpoint. Some of them wind up building assets in, in stocks and bonds, whether it's buying individual stocks, individual bonds, or using more bundled products like mutual funds or ETFs or something of that nature. And, and a lot of business owners do wind up owning some form of permanent life insurance. And, and there's a bunch of different aspects there. Again, going back to our earlier conversation, it's all about balance. There is no one product that is better than all the rest. It's a matter of having some amount of balance between the various different things. And we don't want to get too heavy on commercial real estate for our business, owning the business, and then all of our cash flow goes into those two components. So we hope some of the takeaways today are a, the order of operations in terms of looking at your finances, right? And that's protecting your cash flow, saving and saving adequately 15 to 20%, growing the balance sheet efficiently, meaning, okay, now that you're saving money, how much should be going towards the different buckets versus looking at your debt. Uh, and then obviously the enjoyment of uh, doing all of these things allows you to enjoy your money and, and helps you focus or allows you to focus more on your practice and building what you want to build there and then the eventual transfer. Yeah, and the enjoy part is just making sure that we're taking the stress of the finances off your shoulders. So in our next episode, we're going to be talking a little bit more around the transfer from a, from a business standpoint, um, you know, insider type of sale to a third-party sale to maybe just transitioning where the – the business is actually providing income without having to sell it. So that's our next episode. Again, thank you for joining us and we look forward to chatting with you on our next episode. Have a great day. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 3585 Maple Street, number 140, Ventura, California, 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. 
financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. 2019-84148, expiration 0821.